traditionally and archaically speaking, all of the generations before us looked as looked at obedience as respect. We are now confused as to what respect even means. Respect is not obedience. So when our child does disobeys us and doesn't hug us and doesn't give us the attention we're wanting at any given moment, they're not being disrespectful. They're actually respecting themselves. They're actually tuning into what they want, what they feel, and pouring love into something that they're already working on, completing that project, shifting that energy towards you, and then engaging fully with that next moment. But to disrupt them from that is to break our children from the ability to fully focus on one thing. And that is, again, one of those kind of like cut-ins on the curiosity, cut-ins on the authenticity and the focus that then we ask later when kids are in you know early middle school and elementary school, why can't my kid focus? Because you gave them like this interrupted focused childhood. And now they're confused. Literally, as you're saying this, I was I went there. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Black Belt Beauty Radio. I am so excited to share our guest today, you guys. I have one of my very dearest friends of forever now, Victoria Parsons Gracie, on the show for you. Victoria is literally the definition of a dynamic from actress to dancer to model, choreographer to author to head instructor of the Woman Empowered Jiu-Jitsu Self-Defense Program at Gracie University, my Jiu-Jitsu Academy, to certified doula and incredible parenting coach. Victoria is constantly elevating the lives of everyone around her with her ever-flowing love and compassion. After being in the entertainment industry for 15 plus years at the highest level, Victoria has grown passionate about protecting personal standards, boundaries, and self-worth. Her current work pushes others to turn inward and recognize their own personal power to exercise it in order to reach their highest level of potential in life. As a self-defense expert, Victoria teaches women self-defense techniques and boundary-setting skills to empower their confidence, not only on the mats, but in every facet of life. With our Academy's mindset that you are worth defending, Victoria demonstrates the vital need for self-love to better protect oneself in every regard, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Not only is this incredible message one that's intended to inspire adults, but it also aims to target our youth. Victoria's unique children books, Kip and the Magical Bell and Kaylin Finds Her Power, are both impactful messages that teach children the importance of emotional resiliency, inner strength, and speaking out in kindness. Both of her books have influenced enormous strides when it comes to ending bullying and encouraging children to stand up for themselves and one another. To witness how Victoria leads by example in her life in all facets of it, from her personal relationships to motherhood, to business, to self-care, it's both inspiring and educational, just like this amazing talk with my amazing girl. As a fun side note, you guys, 
So years and years ago, I can't do the math off the top of my head. That's fixed job. Vic and I bonded over our insane love for hot sauce. Um, my brother, Mike Safai, knew that we would totally hit it off because she had like a, one of those keychain Tabasco sauces. <laughs> Um, and I swear, the day that we met, I can still feel the infectious laugh that I experienced um, for the first time meeting Fick. And, you know, it's a fun, beautiful memory, but it's also to say that there are just so many avenues to fall in love with Victoria that will keep you wanting more of her, as I'm sure you are going to discover on your own through this episode. So before I hit play, I do want to ask for some support. We would love it so much if you would screen grab this episode, throw it up on your Instagram stories, tagging Victoria and myself. She is at Vic Gracie. I am at Roxy Look and Black Boat Beauty, all in the show notes. And, you know, share some thoughts on it. It's so helpful to get your feedback. It's always appreciated. And additionally, if you would like to really support this podcast on another level, which we would be so grateful for, please give us a five-star rating and review and share your thoughts on what this podcast does for you, how it's impacting you. It would mean so much to us. So you guys, without any more words, please be ready to enjoy the next hour and a half of your life with my girl, Victoria Parsons Gracie. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Beauty Counter. You guys, as a beauty expert and makeup pro of over 20 years, I have legitimately sifted and sorted through endless amounts of beauty products from skincare to makeup, you name it, I've touched it. And, you know, high performance is always a priority to me. You know, when you're working on clients who are on the red carpet or accepting awards on live shows like the Oscars, things of that nature, there really is no room for error when it comes to performance. But as a total, you know, lover of health, you know, over the past decade, I became highly conscious about you know, the health aspect of products too, and really trying to steer away from skincare and makeup products that, you know, have chemicals and fragrances and ultimately health disruptors. So when I found Beauty Counter, you guys, I started playing with their skincare and their makeup products on me. I was so happy with the results. Not only, you know, did they totally deliver, but I legitimately felt better putting these products onto my skin. You know, what you put on your skin is totally affecting your health. And it's so important to really realize that. Not to mention the brand is really health conscious for the world, and I love that too, but that's just me. So check it out. You guys can now shop my personal favorites on blackbeltbeauty.com from Beauty Counter. You just got to go to the shop section, go to beauty, and you will find my favorites. And I'm continuously adding new products there as I discover more because the brand is just constantly you know, creating new amazing skincare products and makeup products. So as I learn about them, and as I try them and love them, I'm sharing them on the site. So check it out. Go to blackbeltbeauty.com. Go to the shop beauty section and shop the beauty counter page from there. Let me know what you think. I'd love your feedback. And if you ever have questions about beauty, you know where to find me. DM me, Roxy Look or Black Belt Beauty. Lots of love, you guys. Vic! <laughs> Queen Victoria, I love you. Here we are. I'm so grateful to be here with you. Me too. Honored to be a part of this. Um, well, for the record, I want everyone to know a couple things. So Victoria 
Victoria and I go way back and, um, you were, you know, first of all, the very first person I ever trained jujitsu with. I literally remember the day, uh, like it was this morning, you know, doing a trap and roll with you in October and like literally changed my life forever. Um, and no one forgets the first person who mounts on them. (laughs) Good point. Nope. I know I got lucky with you. Um, and then the other, the other first, um, that people don't know is that. So when I was, when I was about to start the podcast, (laughs) <laughs> there was like a rough start before the official start, right? Yeah. And I can visualize and feel that moment just like it was this morning too, where, you know, we're sitting in my living room on the floor and I had this, you know, program that I don't even use now. It's, you know, it's so different. And I remember being so nervous um, because it's a form of public speaking and it's yeah. not, you know, what I was doing up to this point, you know, and um, and you were, you were so rad. You, you know, that, that episode was a total rough draft and I'm so just excited and grateful to be here with you two and a half years later to do the real thing. It was like lots of buildup, but what I really want to express about, you know, both of those, um, situations, those experiences, not only just by sharing it with our audience, but also to say that you're definitely the friend that holds the hand of your people of, I mean, even if it's just, it's not even that they have to be your people, but for sure, like when it's your people, it's like, (laughs) you're fucking, but you, you, you are someone that is so, you know, let's do this together. I'm with you. Supportive is the word. Um, confidence boosting, you know, it makes me all, it makes me emotional. Now we're, we're talking about tears. <laughs> Don't do it yet. Not yet. <laughs> My mascara is right. No, but it's so meaningful to me because, um, you know, it's like everybody needs a friend like Victoria, you know? I mean, I'm a confident woman. We know that, but that doesn't mean I'm confident in every situation. I certainly wasn't confident trying to, you know, speak for the first time on this podcast and you, and you were just right there with me. So I love you and um, I'm really excited to dive into you and all the beautiful pieces that make you Queen Victoria. <laughs> oh, Roxy, everything's better when it's done together. And it was such a privilege to take that journey with you and explore what that looks like and piece it out together and to watch you in your element. I was like, okay, let's do this. It's actually kind of a gift to be able to sit by somebody who's exploring something new and extreme vulnerability is something like I'm incredibly attracted to. So the fact that you like were willing to be that with me is also a gift. People aren't willing to show their vulnerable side and, and that you allowed me to be a witness and a part of that was a privilege. Thank you. Okay. So, okay. We have so much to talk about. You've done so many incredible things in your life so far. I mean, when we think about um, your childhood, moving into becoming a professional dancer and not just a professional dancer, but one of the, I mean, you were Rihanna's um, key dancer, like number one on tour for I don't know that they number us, but yes, yeah. were, there was two, there was two female dancers and two male dancers for two and a half years almost that I toured with her. So it was definitely a, a very small number of dancers for a large experience. I'm thinking of makeup, you know, you, in makeup you have, um, the client has their first artist and then they have their sure. second. So that's where my mind went. But yeah, I mean, top level, um, you know, you're an author, you've written two books, you are, 
so many things. You're a mommy pro. You're a doula. If I ever had a baby girl, it's like Victoria's in the room with me straight up. A mommy coach. You are a self self-defense expert. You're an entrepreneur and you, you know, you're incredible wife, partner, um, girlfriend. So, so many things, right? There's so many avenues for us to tear into all of which I have to say, um, none of it's watered down. Mm. Everything that Victoria does, I feel like you put all of your heart into it. When you make up your mind, you go all in and you really, really give it your best. And what I love so much, and I really want to talk about, because I know that there's so much that our listeners will take from this is just, you know, you're very strategic too. So I think you've done a really great job of, you know, a couple things, being really honest with yourself, um, you know, implementing mind logic, uh, <laughs> your <laughs> total... <laughs> Like she's laughing. <laughs> Total geek. I love it. But create, you know, you're an artist, you're creative. There's emotion there. So I think a great place to start is let's go back to, you know, Victoria, maybe moving into your professional years as a dancer, if that feels good for you to start. I'm going to step in actually one, one moment before, because that's how you'll understand why I even took that leap. I was um, a computer science major in college. I was programming computers as a major um, at Cal State Long Beach, and I was in my fifth year, and it's like about a five or six year program. So I had about a year and a half left. So I was in my fourth or fifth year, and the same week that I got a job offer, um, a paid internship with Boeing for computer science for programming, all I had to do was graduate. On top of, they would offer me a paid internship and a guaranteed job forever kind of thing. Um, was the same week I got offered a job to go on tour and do an international show with Kelly Rowland. And I was like, uh, uh. And you know, every Asian, my mother is from Vietnam and every Asian parent out there is like, take the Boeing job. <laughs> like, don't you, don't you skip a beat on this girl. Um, and what I realized is that the Boeing job is, is there. It's always there. Computer programming was an incredible part of my life that gave me, again, that logical understanding of breaking something down, taking it into pieces, and then putting it back together. I learned how to build a computer from a very young age. I learned how to program computers. And once I realized that, I'm like, okay, this is, this is something that although like a language, if you don't practice it, you lose it. It's, it's also not going anywhere for me. I can table this for a moment. And oh my gosh, I want to get paid to travel and dance. Bye. <laughs> so I very much jumped mid mid um, college life and and left into it into a career in dance. And my parents were like, under one condition, you must stay in school. And I was like, okay, sure. So I took like two or three classes a semester for almost a year and a half into touring with different artists wow. until I was like, this this is no more. Like this is too much being on the road and trying to be a professional dancer and, you know, still honing my skill in that world, introducing myself into a new world while maintaining a school like foundation, it was very difficult. So I ended up stopping and that was like an Asian mom's, you know, difficulty. And my dad, my stepdad, he was such a, a pivotal person in my computer science career because he worked for NASA at JPL here in Pasadena. And he was like, listen, graduate. And again, we'll get you any job you want because I know people who can at least look at your resume 
And I was like, sure, sure, sure. So when I stopped and I didn't, he was also like, wait, what? So both of my parents, engineers, like Northrop Grumman and, and, and NASA were like, go this way. And I was like, see you later, <laughs> which was hard. It's hard to go against our parents' wishes. So that was my first. That's huge. No, I'm so glad you took us there because there's so much to expand on there. You know, I think um, it's, it's, you know, there was a study done that uh, one of the greatest regrets that people have when they're on their deathbed is that they didn't live their own authentic life, you know? And yeah. I know that that's very true in my own experience of life where I didn't necessarily have anybody telling me what to do or what they thought was better. Um, but I certainly, there were ideas that were not in alignment with where I was taking myself necessarily, but I had to keep on keeping on because it's what I felt deeply inside was, was what I wanted to do. So I want to ask you, um, I mean, obviously it worked out for you. I'm sure <laughs> it certainly I did. It. I did, did all right. Yeah. But how did you, you know, the mindset in those, that moment for you, how did you, how did you get around that? Because I know there are so many women, I know women listening to this right now, they struggle with that independence and moving against, you know, others' opinions. And it's, it's, it's more difficult when it's your family, when, pe when it's people that you love. Like, we value wow. their opinions more than, you know, anybody almost, right? Yeah. Except maybe yourself. So that's a really great question. I think when I really consider how do I go against not only people that I care about and I love and I want to show up for in a way that makes them proud and me proud. And also, you know, societally we're taught that that also gains connectivity if you do what your parents want you to do. Um, how I kind of sideswiped it is I did both for a while. And I think that's something that is not as easy for everyone to do. For me to have stayed in school for a year, at least a year, and still be on tour and maintaining those units, I was close to like having no sleep on a regular basis. So I deteriorated a little bit of my life source for a, for a small moment to ensure that where I was going to step was worth the jump. And so sometimes people are like, well, I'm going to give up my day job and I'm going to go all in and one. That's beautiful. And you can do that. And that's not wrong. But I, when you talk about my strategic ideas, mm -hmm. it's that I, I built a footing I went into that world. I went on the first audition, got booked it. Second audition, booked it. Third, fourth, fifth. And I was like, what am I doing? I can do this. So then I started building such a repertoire there that when I did drop this, this was flowing like an open faucet. And that is, a, again, not always a luxury that we can have, but because I had no, nothing else in my world to deal with, I was just all about dance and, and school school, like again, friends and everything. They, I, I supported them and I love them, but they became like, Hey, see you on the weekend. I'm doing this. I, so I hyper-focused and I made it the only things available to me. I love that. I love that. That, I mean, that's very smart. And like you said, it's just, it's strategically sound. Um, you know, I, even I have had this conversation that when you feel safer, it, allows you to take bigger risks, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that's all it was for me. It was, it was like, I, it's like, you know what I mean about, okay, when you jump on rocks, mm -hmm. if you were to just jump on the rock and jump light enough, you can jump off of it. Mm -hmm. But if you commit to that rock, you could slip. So yeah. you have to, if, you, if you're going to go fast, you'll have to go really light. 
But if you're going to like stomp and like carry even weight on you, then you have to make sure that the rock is, is strong. Yep. And so I, what I did was, okay, this is something I'm going to commit to. So I'm going to make sure the rock is strong. If I was just going to fly through it mm-hmm. and just like come in and out of it, I would have gone a little lighter and not committed as much. But, mm-hmm. but because I knew I wanted to be there, once I knew it was safe, I'm like, I'm going all in. I'm doing it. Forget, forget school right now because school isn't going anywhere. And you know, I have to give some credit to some of my friends in the industry who also told me that. They said, Victoria, the industry is not going anywhere, but neither is school. Your youth, your youth is going somewhere. Your physicality is a deteriorating possibility, like by 70, 80 or whatever age you choose to deteriorate it at. Yeah, yeah. But whatever that is, like that is your instrument. So we'll use it to its maximum potential right now. And I knew that if you were a computer science programmer in anywhere, I could be do that at 70. And I totally. wouldn't be able to go for it at 70. So no, I, that's, uh, yeah, great point. What would you say to someone who doesn't have that luxury and maybe they got to make a fast, hard decision, you know, and what would you do if you, if you didn't have that luxury and you had to make a fast, hard decision, um, at this point in your life, how would you, what would you do? Would you like meditate on it? Would you, what would you do? Yeah. So I think the first thing I I would have to come to a lot of acceptance. Okay. I'm accepting this decision first. Cause if I don't accept, then I will go into resentment. I will go into regret. So once I accept it, I go, okay, once I've accepted, then, then all mountains move to get the goal. And I think acceptance is first accepting that I'm even, I'm not even happy where I'm at. And that's why I'm entering a new space. And most people are like, but, but, and they cling to so many different things that they can't make the jump. And you know, if you jump and you still hold on to the past place, you're, you're going to fall in the middle. You just, your rope ends. Yeah. So I would let go quicker. I would commit deeper and I would, I would try to be as strategic and, and network, network as much as possible. Because if you go and you have people who know what they're doing on the new side, people who are willing to support you and connect with you and, and make introductions for you, that is how any industry, I, it, I don't care what anybody says, people care about connections and people over business any day. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to make the jump, make it with people you like, you care about, and you can connect with and infiltrate the human system before the business system. And you will go farther and deeper. The business will come. It will get taught regardless of what demographic of, of choice career that is. Oh, it's so badass, Vic. And you know, I'm thinking as you're saying it, how this could be really valuable. It's evergreen. But when you think about right now and people, you know, not working and you yeah. know, all, all the, all the adversity, um, it's also, it's, it's people also having the opportunity to sit with themselves and really feel, Hey, is this, what I've been doing, is this really serving me? Is it, is it fulfilling me? And, you know, maybe new ideas are coming around, but maybe people are afraid and they don't know, should they, you know, switch things up? How do they pivot? So I think that, that, you know, advice that you just gave is, like I said, it's evergreen and it's, it's timeless, but I think it could be really potent for people listening right now who are like, wait, should I go right? Or should I go left? You know? (laughs) Yeah, the biggest, the biggest gift, Roxanne, you actually hit the nail on the head in my heart about what's happening right now is people who have been scared to make that career jump, been scared to let go of that job that gave them so much financial security or um, even social security or familial security because my family deems it appropriate. So the job I have is family approved. Now they're either forced out of a position or forced into like really reflecting like, 
oh my gosh, if this really is the end of the world, am I doing what I love? And what, why am I still at this company that maybe doesn't take care of me the way I wanted them to, that maybe doesn't look out for me in times of crisis? And why am I killing myself, sleeping less at night, giving all of my hours and killing my social life to commit to a company that I'm really not that passionate about? That was the quarantine gift for so many in a career shift that again, they might be at home now, literally going paycheck to paycheck, going into a savings account, or maybe they're struggling with their savings account and they have to move back in with their parents and say, the job's done, but at least I'm, I'm shifting. I'm, I'm no longer doing a job I hate or have never really liked and couldn't tell myself that. Or I was doing to prove to you guys that I was enough and that I, I could be successful. In what world? In what social world have we constructed these ideas? Like we were fed, Roxanne, so many romanticized ideas about what romance and what love is, so many ideas about what success is and this hierarchy of human existence that the people have more money and um, of certain races and certain colors and certain demographics of the world are superior to others and here's why. And when we look at that and what we've been like scripted and, and digested and believed, we subscribe to this. So not only, not only was it served to us, we perpetuated it and we subscribed to it. We realized I can unsubscribe. I don't have to live in the, you know, like it's just like a, a newsletter. I will, I unsubscribe. I no longer want to create the, the success journey that school and the archaic ideas of the linear progress of school, higher school, higher school, meet someone, love them, marry them, have a kid. You know, like it's such a linear trap which is not wrong. Listen, some people really love the line. Mm -hmm. And if you do rock it, run it and live it fully. But if you're despising your life at any point, you really got to ask yourself, wait a minute, how did I get here? What choices did I make? And can I unsubscribe? Cause you can, it's literally like a button. I'm done. I'm done choosing, you know, the idea that one, one way of the world is the only way I can do it. I mean, mic drop. It won't drop. It's on a stand. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. It'll break. It'll break. Oh my God. It's so powerful. And I think, you know, you, you pointed out so many wonderful things there. So many powerful things. I'm with you, girl. This idea of what success and, you know, like what really living a fulfilled life looks like. And it's all, it's, it's like, whose life are you living by whose standards, by whose, like who fucking wrote this story? So yep. one of the things I talk about a lot with the girls that I coach is like, man, when you look back, if I have the opportunity to look back at my life on my last day of living, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that every single day of my life, I have authentically lived Roxanne's life, mm-hmm. not moms, not friends, not partners, not, you know, social media community, like authentically have been living from what resonates with me, what lights me up, you know, all of that. And I feel like you just address that. It's like, and, and what I love so much Vic is that you've been disrupting, disrupting these, it was like so beautifully. And so authentically you've been disrupting going back to where we were, you know, I'm sure, again, that had to have been really hard for you to say, parents, um, I love you, but I love me and I got this and I'm willing to jump and take this chance. I believe in me and, you know, take it or leave it really. Like you kind of yeah. give them an ultimatum, which is, that had to have been gnarly. 
It was gnarly. And I think there was some interesting, it it would almost became as first it's like rebellion, disobedience, Mm -hmm. and then it shifts to, okay, you're, you're confused. They, they attempt to diagnose you. And then you go, maybe am I confused? But then you start to love it. And then you go, wait, I'm, I'm owning this. And then once you revel and once you live in it, then they go, oh my gosh. And it wasn't until, of course, I was on the Grammys that my mom was like, my daughter is on TV on the Grammys. And I'm like, all right. Well, you know, you get them where you take, you take them where you can get them. Like, all right, just be proud. Fine. I'll take it. Well, and you know, if you, if just to dig into the the whole parenting thing, cause we're going to go deep there uh, with you, you're like a mommy pro in my mind. I always think of you that way, but hmm. you know, oftentimes these ideas that parents, they're coming from a place of love. Ultimately sure. they're coming from a place where I need to feel safe. So I need you to do what's going to make me feel safe. Right? Can you can you go there? Because I you're I feel like you are an absolute pro. <laughs> well, let me be clear. I have all the concepts. I don't know have I don't always have all the implementation, right? And I if, even if I do the implementation, I go back into my own patterns and behaviors. So if my children in the future ever listen to this, I'm sorry because I don't know that I did it all right. But let's just let's take it back to where you're asking right now. I do think that from a very um, archaic perspective. Parents have generationally passed on that which they learned. Um, some call it generational trauma. Other call it patterning. Um, others call it tradition, right? And th- what, what it really comes down to is generations before us exhibited behaviors of survival and, and social thriving that they needed to be the best that they could be at their given time. And their time is different than 20 years later, which when it is usually when they have children, right? So every 20 years as they start to have new like heirs, mm-hmm. a different set of programming evolves from that. And the child can either get the parents, I'm not going to do what my parents did to me, or I'm going to do everything my parents said because it worked, or I'm in confused state and I'm doing everything. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> and those are the, that's, like, that's my really simplified general spectrum. But these parents pass on, again, with the best intentions, things that they think will help their child, generally coming from a place of control. So if I can control the child's life, thinking, the intake of information, of food, of ideas, then I will curate the most perfect life for my child. Mm. And again, I've done it. I've seen it. I've married it, like all of all of around. We are all trying the best we can with the indoctrinated ideas that our predecessors have given us. That being said, it's difficult for a child to learn beyond indoctrination if they are constantly engulfed in indoctrination. So my whole goal is to offer them guidelines and boundaries and for them to explore and truly fail forward in as much as possible. Do I know a lot of ways that work? Yes, but I know ways that work for Victoria. Mm-hmm. Valen and Vemma are two hugely different species and creatures in a new environment that I didn't, I wasn't raised with Instagram. I wasn't raised with Netflix. Um, they are coming in at a very different mental capacity and, and technology exposure than I ever was. So for me to pretend that I could be like, nope, this is bad for you. Here's why I don't know this. We don't know the 20, 40 year time span of what's actually being done right now. So I'm not going to pretend I do. What I can say is I know how it makes me feel. And at my 30 something years old age, 
I feel like I need to limit this for you. And that's what I feel is fair. And my daughter was like, but why, but why? And I'm like, cause you're seven and my job is to protect you. So I reason with her. But again, like you said, we're coming from a really genuinely wanting to help place, but that does sometimes come out as control, which is sometimes also coercion, manipulation, do what I say, eat this lollipop and uh, if, and it, to go to the bathroom. And it's like, I'm sure their poop will find their way to a hole. Like, I'm like, we don't need to do all that. But who am I to tell people how to do their parenting, you know? Well, I love it. You have such a growth mindset. And I think you have done, you and Hidon both, I mean, your girls are incredible. You guys have done an incredible job at supporting their independence. You know, they're so, um, I mean, and they're, they're, they're so young and, but they're so emotionally mature already. They're so emotionally, even I would say independent, like you, you know, it's this idea of, um, and I know if I ever had a kid, it would be this way too. It's like, I want to teach you how to learn. It's not that I want to teach you these things. So then you adopt them and now this is what you own. It's like, it's more of the formula to learning. And then you apply and you figure out what makes sense with you and resonates with you. And, um, and I feel like, you know, going back to what you were just saying about being, you know, guiding, I think you guys do a really good job at that. And, and the fact that you question even, or that you're aware that, you know, you might not even be doing it to necessarily, I don't want to say like the best of your, you're just open to the idea that it's not like you've nailed it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're just doing the best you can with what you know, but you keep an open mind and your, you know, idea is just like, we're here to learn from you. We're here to help you learn how to learn Mm -hmm. on your own and, and really, you know, form a deep level of independence. And I mean, yeah, you guys are, it's, it's amazing. You're, you're right. And I, well, there's, there's two things I want to say on that. First, it's yeah. not about if I'm going to F up my kids. It's that I'm going to F up my kids. Just how, what, what, what kind of therapy will they need in the future? Not, not the emotional one. Cause I'm handling that, but they're going to have emotional therapy on some other stuff. I'm going to have to, it's like, we know as parents, we're not fully equipped with the, the resource guide of how to handle each child separately and, you know, uniquely. But on a, on a separate note, I will say that that is something that I work really hard toward to do is I, I really help them go, how does that, how do you feel about that? Why do you want to do that? Um, are you making that choice because you think that's going to make me happy or, or like when they, when they get overwhelmed, I recognize that children under the age, I mean like their prefrontal cortex is not even really built until like significantly later in life. So I'm sitting there and there's, there's this theory of like, I'll let you borrow mine. I'll sit with you and show you how to take deep breaths, how to walk through this. Wow. You're having big feelings. This is what it feels like when you're feeling jealous. Oh, this is what it feels like when you're feeling overwhelmed. I told my daughter the other day, I'm like, she's like, mom, can we just put stuff away? I don't really like it when things are everywhere. And I go, it sounds like you're getting anxiety over the fact that things are cluttered. She goes, is that what it's called? I'm like, yeah, it's called anxiety. So the sooner I can normalize these behaviors of like those feelings equal this name, you can name it. And once you name it, you can have a good relationship with it. Like, don't let anxiety run you, dear. Know that like, if you like things tidy, then you could be purposeful in, in living that beautiful life. And knowing that when people aren't as respectful of this tidy behavior that you enjoy, how can you find your calm and your peace within that? And so I sit with them. And again, Rox, I take the time. I have the time. I'm a, I'm a homeschooling mom. I'm giving my kids all the hours of my life to allow this for them while still trying to nurture my own. 
but but that that is kind of like the difficulty with I I know this kind of parenting for a lot of people is that there's only so many hours in the day, you know, and there's these kids are having meltdowns and they're wanting certain things. So to really go slow and be like, this is called anxiety. When you see stuff all over the room and it makes you feel overwhelmed or feelings like you can't sit still and it's making you uncomfortable, this can be interpreted as anxiety. And one way we can, you know, handle this is taking deep breaths. Like, and I just walk her through again, a bunch of different things. And she's like, that's not helping. Okay. Well, then let's try something different, you know? So really, giving them the tools at a young age so that she doesn't need me to do this for her when she's 13 or 18 or 26, you know? No, I, you, I mean, the word that's just flashing through my mind is you are empowering your girls. You're empowering them. You're giving, yeah. you said, like you said, you're giving them the tools. You're helping them understand. It's not, it's not, you're not telling them what to think. You're showing them how to think on their own. You're, you're allowing them to um, not be overwhelmed by emotions, but to actually understand it. Right. I always like fear. If we think of fear, fear is so overwhelming, but if you actually put fear in a chair and you kind of like objectify fear, right. A little bit like you're an object, it can help you feel more level to handle fear. But when things feel overwhelming because you don't understand, it feels out of control. Uh, that's where you lose. So I feel like what you're doing in that you know, scenario with your girls is ultimately you're empowering them to understand and to, yeah, yeah. It's there's my mind just went in a million places actually, because the other thing that I wanted to point out is this from the start of quarantine, when all, um, you know, when school was out and, you know, now all these parents are having to homeschool and and the difficulties that Vic, you have been on my mind this whole time because honestly, and, and, and it was so, I, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get big on the podcast because I feel like you have so much valuable, you know, information to share in this zone for yeah. parents that are going through it. Because I mean, you and he don't basically opted out of the traditional, that linear yeah. <laughs> traditional school situation for your kids. So I know we're jumping around. It's always how I roll, but if, can we, can we go there for a little bit and talk about how you, how you, yeah. So we definitely, we looked at, first of all, I had an amazing linear like school experience. So this is not coming from someone who's like, well, I had a rough high school. I didn't like it. So it's not for me. It actually was glorious. I was really, I did really well in school. I had a great GPA. I had active involvement. I was in an every kind of like from basketball to um, cheerleading to drama, sports, student body. I was a part of everything. I really enjoyed my school experience. And as I grew into this mother and did more research into the kind of child I wanted to bring into the world, um, I said, wow, I don't really get to choose how my child learns. Oh, that's interesting. And if I'm not choosing how they learn, and yet I stick them in a system that will only teach one way, am I doing a child my a service? And I said, well, yes, because I, I was given service to, to learn this specific way of, again, the linear way, and I thrived in it. But what if my child doesn't? So I didn't say, I'm, I'm not going to do school, school's out of the picture. I said, I'm going to wait to choose once I start to learn my children more. So I remained with the idea of homeschooling first because I wanted to figure out what does my child love? How do they learn? And how can I expand their abilities to learn first in the home environment before they even get to school? So what does my child love? My child loves to be active. She's a physical girl, at least my older one, right? 
And she learns things through storytelling. She loves stories. She intakes information through storytelling. So things that are fact-based, just regurgitation of information, would not land hard for her. And in a school environment, in traditional school systems, they try to hit on every kind when possible and because they're all important. But if information is actually wanting to be given to her, and I can expand that for her, I'm going to start here first and then spread it out to the ways that she learns in other ways. So I started learning how my kids learn first. Then I started to find out information and ways and things I wanted them to be exposed to. And through gradual exposure, I exposed them to ideas, things from languages. I started sign language at a very young age so I could communicate with them. So of course, that means I had to learn it first. Mm-hmm. I, learned, I learned Portuguese when I met my husband so that I could speak to them in a second language. Mm-hmm. Um, I expanded um, with the idea if my kid loves like princesses, okay, we're going to do math on, a, on the basis of princesses so that the intrigue on what I'm doing is not just some mathematical two, five, one. I'll say there's two princesses and there's two other girls who want to play. How many princesses want to play total? So you use something that they're already interested in to kind of bridge them into an idea, which is my favorite subject, which is math. And I I, I really bring them into something that they wouldn't have otherwise been like, I don't want to learn the number two. But you'll learn the number two as a byproduct of your princesses having two friends and two friends. So (laughs) you know what I mean? Like you want to know, or if you start going into food, like I'm a foodie, I'm like, okay, if I only have five pieces of pizza, how can this be fair for three of us to each have a piece? And so then you start to work through, this is a pie, this is a mathematics, like you start to expand through different ideas of schooling in things that they already enjoy with their family. We're at dinner and there's five slices and there's four of us. How do we divide? Uh, and again, she's five, six, seven. These are my girls and I'm just like, you're playing with them at home and in play they learn. And in, it's like Albert Einstein say, play is the highest form of education. It just truly is that we as adults even like to learn by play. No one wants to just sit there and memorize words over and over and over and over again and facts and figures. How do they apply to my life? The minute you show a child how it applies to their life, they're hungry for more. So as, as they start to get older now, there's of course many options in the homeschool curriculums and ideas. Um, I, I'm a really big, uh, big and keen on this idea of uh, Inspire. Inspire is a charter school that is government funded. That means the government will pay you money to homeschool your child. That means the the government will give you thousands of dollars a year for computer supplies, all these different like field trips that they can be taken. And you put them towards a charter school and the charter school checks in with you once a month and goes, how is your child doing? Everything going okay? Do you need any help or suggestions or progression? Can I talk to them? They they check in with you. So you can really have um, a non-heavy handed approach to supporting your child in the learning. And my goal is not to become this professional teacher. My goal is, again, to teach my children how to learn for themselves and sit by them and go, where are you struggling? Okay, I can support you in that because my daughter, my seven-year-old, taught herself how to read. She taught herself how to read. And how? I would just look at letters and say, that's a G. That makes a sound. And she goes, but what does that sound make? Her curiosity led the way because we are all, Roxanne, born curious. Mm -hmm. We are so curious. And if you are so kind as a parent to not kill the curiosity of your child, it will be ever flowing. And it's hard not to kill it. Let me tell you, Roxanne, this is one thing that parents don't even realize they do. Why? Because we are so annoyed when our kid goes, mom, why are we going there? Because we're going to go visit grandma. But why? Because, you know, there's a party over there. Well, why? 
And we're so quick to kill the why instead of saying, good question, why do you think? And let them be curious and let them answer why and let them explore and stop having the answers. We're so ego-driven, Rux, that we want, the, we want to be the one. Well, if I don't, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make up something. That's a, that's a tower for radios. When my daughter goes, mom, what's that? I go, I don't know. It seems to have six antennas. It stands up really tall. What do you think it could be for? And I've just allowed her brain to expand into every different avenue, creativity, inquisitiveness, possibilities. I'm expanding the possibilities that she can think about something rather than what is that? Mom always has an answer. Guess what? Mom doesn't have the answers. Mom has more questions. So you come to me, you're going to get more questions. And that's (laughs) kind of the difference in my homeschooling approach is I offer more inquisitiveness, but I'm also like really... Yeah, I've done a lot of research on what kind of homeschooling I want to do. I want to be able to go off the grid and like just teach my kids anywhere off the grid and then come right back and then seamlessly move into any like traditional linear space because she'll pop in and be like, what is this? Oh, got it. Which you guys have done. I mean, that's incredible. That process. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you guys have traveled the world with your kids. Your kids have been, have traveled more (laughs) than the average American legitimately. Yeah. Legit. You know, your, your process is so powerful. It's literally, um, coaching, you know, self-development. I am such a fan of questions. I've, you know, over 20 years of writing in my home, questions, questions. When I, I, it's all about digging deeper and not just settling on some answer or just like you said, the ego trying to have an answer. When I'm coaching a client, I will take you deeper. It's like peeling the onion, but like you said, it's that curiosity and allowing more possibilities. So one of my favorite words is possibilitarian. You're Mm -hmm. grooming your girls to be possibilitarians. And you know, when you think about not only how powerful that is for life, because we live in uncertainty, there's uncertainty um, and po- and possibility are literally, I feel like it's like, uh, you know, interchangeable words, right? Yeah. But when you look at uncertainty, it feels daunting. It feels yeah. like, oh my gosh, it's like, what's going to happen next? And it could feel so scary because you don't feel like you have control. But if you approached it from the perspective of, there's so many things possible right now. You know, when nothing is certain, anything is possible. There's actually a quote like that. Now you're looking at this unknown from a place of curiosity, from a place of eagerness to discover. Yeah. So I'm just saying that to expand all the amazing, you know, um, your approach basically to to homeschooling your kids. And, and it's more than just homeschooling. It's it's literally how you're you're parenting your children, you know? Yeah. But I think it's it's such a it's really refreshing, Vic, because um and it obviously takes a lot of energy. It does, you know, and, and that actually pivots me in a direction I want to go. I have other there's like questions as you're talking, girl. I'm like Do absorbing it. it's so it. good. And like questions are in the queue because you know, it's super powerful, everything that you just dropped. And then I'm thinking this takes so much more energy. And let's be real. Most parents these days don't have all this energy, right? Mm -hmm. To help peel back the layers and do all the things. And then comes, well, you know, a lot of the struggle is I don't even have time for myself to take care of myself. So on the one hand, we have 
I'm going to use you as an example. Victoria, I'm calling you super mom because you are. <laughs> and then we have Queen Victoria who needs to honor her, her independence and her, her self-care. And I want to talk about that too, because what does that look like? So I'm going to take us back and then pull us right back where we were. When I think about Victoria as pro dancer, you know, I'm very fortunate to have known you like from back then, you know, and all the way through, right. Um, you know, and how that pivot of just like going from being this high level performer, traveling around the world, like crazy, beautiful, incredible life. And now it's like er, record scratch. I'm becoming a mommy. Right. And then everything that comes with that, which is so gnarly, the mindset, all the emotional pivots, all of that pulling us right back where we were like Victoria does. Victoria went all in on being super mom. (laughs) (laughs) But what about that queen Victoria, that (laughs) independent Victoria that, you know, that, Yeah. I hear you. Let me, let me be honest here because I I think it does no one a service to imagine me going from finding my niche in a dance world, becoming a a very uh, lucrative and regularly working dancer, owning my space, living through my space. Um, And then when I became pregnant, I read every book possible, both on birth and early childhood development. I, I looked at it as like my, my job as a mom to research, not just how to have the child. Cause I wanted to, I did it. I did two home births. I, so I wanted to have a child a specific way and also how to ensure that I could raise this child with grace, with care. And what I found Roxanne is that every book that I read contradicted each other. So I said, this is a problem. You know, if if everything that you're reading is contradicting something else that you could be reading, that means every parent has a different book in their hand and they're all doing things that may not resonate well with them. So I'm glad I read all the books because then I just sat back in my heart and I said, what feels good for me? What feels sustainable has, you know, the the greatest amount of impact in the ways that I want, which is long-term connection with my child and a growth mentality, not just authoritarian control, how to get your child to do what you want. Um, And what has like a really big compassion-filled approach? Because I don't think anyone moves in this world by pushing them to a point where they're angry, by instilling fear into them. I think everyone grows best under the light and brightness of compassion. And once I looked at that, I said, okay, this is the parent I want to be. I researched everything possible, but then I gave birth. And let me tell you, the minute I gave birth, the minute the child came out of my body, Victoria, the queen, as I knew her at that time, died. I mean, there was a holy death. I had to like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just sit with it. And I have no idea where she went. But she died and she died a long and slow death because I was like, I know her. I have her. I'm grasped. It's like you, I couldn't let go of her in my hand. I gripped to her as much as possible, even though on my other side, an entire new woman was born. And if I would have just let this go, maybe I could have welcomed this new woman, but I couldn't, Roxanne. So I went through darkness. And I'm telling you that my postpartum days were the most anxiety-filled, the most dark and difficult moments. I didn't know who I was, where I was going. 
every every ounce of trauma that I had from a child to like a young adult stage that I have was coming up with every cry that my daughter had. Every cry was a trigger to what 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 was that thing? Why, why, why am I not doing enough? I'm not being enough. I'm not perfect enough. I'm not enough. It brought up every scared possibility that existed in this Victoria transition that I couldn't let her fully die. So she couldn't fully be born. And if, if, if you get stuck in that middle, I call that like the middle where postpartum lingers and it's so dark Roxanne and it can be so, um, lonely because a, you actually don't know you're there. And you think that because you're surrounded by people, you should be happy. Everyone's like, oh, nothing matters as long as you have a healthy baby. And I'm like, bitch, no, I'm a mess. <laughs> like, my baby is healthy and alive, but I am not. Something is going on in my mind. And I didn't know. I really didn't know until I remember the day I went to my friend Goose's house and I laid on her bed and I, she looked at me. I hadn't showered in days and I needed to sleep for what looked like forever. And, and she was like, will you just go take a shower and take a nap? And as I started to fall asleep, you could, I could tell, she was like, we need to get you, we need to get you help. And that was the day I called my therapist. And that was the day that I realized like, oh my gosh, I have tons of childhood stuff that was just not dealt with Roxanne. And that's all this is. Motherhood opens up the childhood wound in you because you have to graduate her to let this other like ethereal mother come out and say, I got this. But then the child in you was like, but I don't got this. And so then you have to look at it and go, do I mother the baby or do I mother me? And this is where the confusion happens. We're all taught to mother the newborn. The newborn will handle itself. You've got a partner if you're lucky to help. You've got community if you're lucky, you know, support system. And if not, you've got either a breast to offer or formula. That's all a new baby needs. Changing of diapers and that. Milk. And it, wherever it comes from. The rest is reparenting that inner child and all the wounds that we never dealt with, that we compartmentalize, pushed away, detached from, disassociate from, and pretend aren't there for the most of our lives, whether that's from sexual assault, whether that's from our parents abusing us, ignoring us, neglecting us, over like loving us, whatever it is, that is what needs reparenting. That's what needs the first attention the minute that baby comes out of your vagina. And people are going to hate me for this because they're like, no, 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 no there's a new baby, give her the love. That new baby is perfect, born perfect, loving perfect, and needs nothing but boobs and diaper changes. Literally, that's it. What needs healing is the mom. And everyone turns, everyone visits Roxanne, and they give all this attention to this new baby. Mm -hmm. And this baby, you know why they love that baby? Because the baby is perfection. The baby is untainted, pure source of love. And people come in and they drink it like Dracula, like the blood of pure goodness. But yeah. then they forget, they forget that there is a woman in pure transition dying and, and re being reborn right in front of them. And they forget to nurture that one soul. And I became a doula, A, to process that for myself and B, to ensure that any woman I ever help does not go through the same thing on their own. So I coach moms, I coach, you know, like I, I've been a doula to one mom and I had to stop because I realized how much this was impactful for women. And I was like, I'm not ready because I got littles still. I have littles. So until my littles grow up, I can't, I can't be on call. I couldn't be on call. I was on call for her and I was like, poof, this is a lot. So I backed off dueling because I was like, this is, this is transitioning a woman from 
her early childhood wounds to womanhood. And you can't do that in three months. This is like deep work and deep stuff that if women are willing to face themselves, to seek the work, to get the help, to say, I feel weird feelings, guys. I don't know what this is. Maybe, maybe the transition to motherhood could be a a more, I want to say, I don't want to say growth because growth is used as more like harmonious and fluid, fluid, you know, no, I think it's such powerful, um, points that you bring up. And I, honestly, you're speaking and I'm thinking about mommy friends that I have and I can be like, yeah, I can see that, you know? So, um, it's really powerful Vic. And it's perfect because I, you know, my kind of mama, like this is where the inspiration came from, right? Yeah. Practice. I mean, it's a self-inquiry. It's you paying attention. It's you. Pain is such an incredible catalyst for growth, right? Like you had to experience that pain, be really honest with yourself yeah. and then take the steps to move yourself out of it. Um, that brought you, that did a lot of things for you from your coaching, um, you know, writing books for children. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that, but one thing I want to add to that is when you say, um, you know, they only need milk and they don't leading by example mm-hmm. is huge. It's huge mm. for you. It's huge for me. Right. And granted your newborn is not, you know, pay, like able to comprehend what you're, or, or are they, or, or great point. Who fucking knows? We don't know. Great point. Which furthers where I wanted to go. When I think about you nurturing this transition of a woman, I mean, what are you ultimately doing? You're loving her. You're yes. loving yourself. And so really, when we think about it, you that is loving your child too. You can't love. We, this is like we know this universally. If you don't love yourself, but you're trying to call love into your life or you're trying to give, like it doesn't, there's a glitch in the system. It's not, it's not legit. But when I call you call it like like a like a pipe, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to turn a pipe only one way, yeah. like it, it doesn't always work because it's not bending. The pipe flows and it flows everywhere if you let it flow. But if you're like, no, no, block this and just let only go to my kid, only to my kid. It's like no, let it flow everywhere. Let it flow to you. Let it flow out of you. Let it become part of you. Let you be the pipe. Keep it flowing. I love it. Yeah, we can't <laughs> siphon it. We can't siphon it in a different way because it will explode inwards, right? When you try to when you try to plug the pipe and only put a little funnel just to the kid, just to the different spaces, you you blow up, you implode. Totally. And then the you know, and then what grows from that? You know how you, if when you transition and you're loving yourself and you're expanding in a powerful way out of this dark place, this uncomfortable place, and your child is growing too. I mean, that's all transferring of energy. Whereas, like what you said, if you don't do that, you're just you know, you're repressed, you're holding things in, you're getting, you could even manifest illness. I mean, all kinds of shitty things can take place from that. So it's beautiful that you bring awareness to this concept because again, this is refreshing because I I don't, you know, while I'm not a mom, um, so it's not like I'm always being dialed into mom stuff. I have a lot of mommy friends and I don't hear this being spoken about often. Yeah. It's not, it's not a normalized, again, if you watch any any movie right now, like, cause again, media plays a big role in how we live our 
life? And they always say, what came first, the media or the life, right? Which one, which one is in, in impacting the other? And I think right now we are on the receiving end, a very big receiving end where children and people are watching rom-coms and thinking that's how the relationship should be. They're watching family movies and they're idealizing, well, that's what a family, perfect family portrait looks like. That's what family dinners look like. And they're emulating from Instagram to, to movies to films, they're emulating those lifestyles. But what, what's not being portrayed in any of these is even healthy love relationships aren't being portrayed in films. It's always some unweird chase, not chase, jealous, I feel this thing, which I get it. They're wanting to normalize behaviors, but give me also something to work towards. How do I work through my jealousy and weird behavior so that I can have that healthy relationship? How do I cultivate a healthy sense of self as a mother in this movie about moms? They normalize all the difficulties of what it's like to be a mom and the kids crying at night. Yes, but how do I persevere through that? How do I push and create a community? Show me how to cultivate women who can support me in parenting how I want and not necessarily how everyone says I should. How can we diversify the types of parenting that exist on the screens so that I can be impacted with new ideas and ways to approach my children without having to spank them or, or teach them that, you know, you know, you must share because sharing is what we do. And it's like, well, adults don't share. What are you talking about? Do you share your car with your neighbors? Oh, I want to borrow your car. Excuse me. I don't know you. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? We force this at a park with kids we don't know. We say, share your toys, honey. We're all here to play together. Are you, are you kidding me? We go to a beach and we're like, you're on my towel, bro. <laughs> you know, like, there's no sharing my towel with people at a beach, but yet you want your children to share toys at the park? It, it's, it's foreign to, our, to, to really connect the dots of what we do as adults to children. The, the things that we impose on them do not compute. And once we stand back and really ask, why do I force sharing for my kids? Why do I force them to hug grandma and grandpa? I was just thinking that. <laughs> like, why do I force hugs on people they might feel uncomfortable around? I'm literally saying your body and your choices matter. Can we talk about this? Because Let's literally, Vic, I was, you know, when you guys, when, the, when your little girls were just, you know, I mean, they're still little girls, but I remember that so powerfully that, you know, you, you guys were very clear on, you know, we're not doing this whole thing of like, oh, Roxy's here. So rug, hug Roxy. It's like, even though Roxy's family, but it's like, no, no. If they don't want to hug, yeah, they're not hugging. Yeah. That was so badass. And it really will pull us into self-confidence. Yes. Self-defense, woman empowerment. So I would love for you to just, you know, tease that apart a bit because that's huge. Pe parents are always doing that shit, man. And yes. it, what does it teach? And if you think about it as an adult, like you said, it's foreign. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not fucking hugging someone I don't want to hug. Should you walk right. in the room to make you but, feel more comfortable? But what's crazy, Roxanne, there are adult men and women who do do that because right. they were taught as a young child, like, oh, this person is your family. So here, here's, take it back for a second. Imagine yourself being a two-year-old with the, the, the memory of like, I don't remember past like the last two to five weeks of my life. So every time, let's say grandma comes over, they don't even recall who grandma is unless they're getting a, a weekly regular dose of grandma. And now grandma comes into the room and we say, oh, it's grandma. And because grandma wants to feel the love and because we want grandma to feel loved because we love grandma we're like oh jimmy give grandma hugs and jimmy's like uh uh like they're hesitating a because kids want to vibe people out too 
when you yeah. walk into a room, you look people in the eyes, you make eye contact, you wait for a moment, then you go, oh, and then you and then you come in. You don't just walk in and go, hey, hey, hey. Like, like it's so programmed that you were even missing the point of connection. And kids are so attuned, they're so hip to energy and people and things that when grandma walks in, they're going, What is she doing? How do I feel about it? Where is her energy? Do we connect? Do I care? I'm in the middle of building a Lego farm right now. I don't give a flup about grandma. Do you understand? They're so incredibly present that we want them to stop the toy playing. That's like me saying, Roxanne, stop your amazing bath right now and come out here and give Jimmy a shower. Like, what? Give it a hug. Why? I'm in the middle of a bath. Wait till I'm done. Like, it doesn't compute. Again, it doesn't make sense for the child brain. Why am I stopping playing? If there's a new energy in the room and they catch my attention enough that I want to go engage with them, I will get up and go, oh, grandma, and I will run. And that is something that is allowed to happen if you give them the space to exist in sovereignty and organic authenticity. And that's when the children can see how they feel and go, hi, grandma. And if the grandma sits in such beauty and attunement that their child, that the grandchild is sitting in something that they love and loving that toy, if they can find the beautiful feeling of oh, my grandchild loves playing with what they're doing and I love watching them, not give me love, I, 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 want, 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 then, then there can be this beautiful sense of like actual non-conditional love. And that's the difficulty. We have been told that my extreme love for my child is, is why they should hug me. But that's conditional love because I'll only love them if they give me the hug. And then, and then we move from if that child doesn't hug me, he's disrespecting me. Or if he doesn't say hi to me, that's disrespectful. Mm-hmm. So if my child is so engaged in a toy and enjoying it that a new energy walks in the room and he doesn't feel yet ready to give you that energy, he's disrespecting you. Mm. How about you were disrespecting him by interrupting his deep engagement into something that's really important to him? Right. So we don't look at the reverse, and I don't look at it as disrespect in any way, but because traditionally and archaically speaking, all of the generations before us looked, as, looked at obedience as respect, we are now confused as to what respect even means. Respect is not obedience. So when our child... Does, disobeys us and doesn't hug us and doesn't give us the attention we're wanting at any given moment, they're not being disrespectful. They're actually respecting themselves. They're actually tuning into what they want, what they feel, and pouring love into something that they're already working on, completing that project, shifting that energy towards you, and then engaging fully with that next moment. But to disrupt them from that is to break our children from the ability to fully focus on one thing. And that is, again, one of those kind of like cut-ins on the curiosity, cut-ins on the authenticity and the focus that then we ask later when kids are in, you know, early middle school and elementary school, why can't my kid focus? Because you gave them like this interrupted focused childhood and now they're confused. Literally, as you're saying this, I was, I went there. I was like, yeah. And then later on, it's like, my kid can't focus, you know? And it's like, you taught them how not to be present. You literally trained them to be And my brain also goes, you know, when you think about, oh, it's wrong not to physically embrace to to immediately without like questioning, thinking, feeling, and then assessing and then moving from that place of like, do I want to do this or not? This idea of your, you know, your, your, um, 
disrespectful or there's something wrong about it. I mean, that leads to very dangerous or potential dangerous scenarios that, you know, you, you know, as a self-defense expert, woman empowerment, you know, jujitsu, badass. I mean, you're talking to women all the time who have, I'm sure you can connect the dots where they've unfortunately been in really shitty situations that they didn't want to be in. Right. Rape, things like that. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm not you, but I can imagine how that, you know, that, um, going back to childhood and being in those moments can perpetuate that, you know, Listen, even, even, even the most empowered children can find themselves in, in, in some very disconcerting For and sure. sexually assault situations. But I will say this, it is very difficult for the average woman that I meet to discern the difference between their bodily autonomy um, and, 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 and control of someone else, simply because from such a young age, we were taught that we owe whether it's, you know, the other gender or superiors or elders, smiles, engagements, hugs, kindness. Um, We owe them time. We owe them beauty. We owe them our youth. We owe them these things that we must give them because that's part of what being respectful means. And that's why if I could deconstruct respect for many people, it's, it, 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 it's in partnership with boundaries. Like boundaries are where I end and where you begin. And if where I end is I don't want to engage with you physically, it shouldn't matter whether you're my uncle, brother, cousin, authority figure, you know, um, superior in any way. It should just matter that I don't know why, but I'm feeling uncomfortable right now and I don't want to engage. But we are born into a generation of people pleasers, Roxanne. Like for whatever reason, the generation before us, and maybe it's generations, mm-hmm. but the, the, the nicer the, the girl was, the more um, appeasing she was, the more beautiful she was seen or the, or the more good, think about it, good girl, yeah. bad girl. You're being right. such a good girl when you give uncle, uh, you know, a hug. What? Yeah. What? I'm a good girl for hugging you? No. How about, wow, thank you for, for gifting me with such affection. Mm-hmm. Instead of giving appreciation and gratitude for the giving of your intimate affection as a child, which is a hug, yeah. we're told that we're good girls. Yeah. Go, right. go sit, go sit yeah. on uncle's lap and be a good girl. Speak to him nicely. Be a good girl. Like we've been personified and labeled to, uh, uh, to literally try to attain this precise prestige of perfectionism and beauty and well-spoken like pageantry. Think about what we've done in America. Like I've got friends who were former Miss USAs. And when I hear about their experiences as these Miss USAs, I'm like, what? Like what? How? How are we? It's, It's a pageantry, right? We are giving them a pedestal for their beauty, for their physicality, for speaking in a particular way. And we do that to girls the minute that they're born. And I'm not saying we don't do this to boys. And the the discussion on toxic masculinity can go on for hours with me. Call me, have fun with me. If anyone wants to chat about this, let me tell you, the patriarchy is real and I'm willing to be a part of its deconstruction. But when it comes to little girls, we are literally sitting with this idea of indoctrinating them into being the, the that you're a good girl and the, the better you are, then the more 
money you'll have, the better you'll be loved. It's like everything will be handed to you if you're just a good girl. I'm sorry, I'm done. Like I tell my girls all the time, I don't care what you do, I will love you. I don't care what happens, I will love you. But I have to love me first. And I look at them and I said, I can't love you if I don't love me. And then so my daughter goes, well, mom, keep loving you. And I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> like, Diva, I am. I was taught to make other people happy. And she goes, well, make you happy. And then we can make us happy. And I'm like, that's right. <laughs> like, that's right. But nobody taught me that. I had to learn that late. And so it's the first lesson that I teach my kids. They always say, mommy, who do you love the most? And I say, me. I gotta <laughs> love me. And I'm not saying that from a place of narcissism because I, I you have to be, it's a cautious, it's a cautious line though, Roxanne, because you know, yeah, narcissists yeah, yeah, yeah. are like one in 25 people now. <laughs> you know, statistics say. So I, and I tell her, I go, what, what, everyone's idea of love is so different. When I say love me, I just mean I have to give myself compassion, forgiveness, um, he- healthy food, healthy thoughts healthy emotions, you know, physical health. I, I, I break down what I need to do for me first. And listen, I'm not always amazing at this. I, I fuck it up a lot, you know, <laughs> but, but I, but I'm telling my kids what I'm trying, I'm trying to do this. I'm willing to be here. And when they cry for me and they're yearning for me and I literally say, gosh, I really want to be there for you, but I, I've got to make sure I'm there for me first. And they go, Oh, and I go, yep. That means you got to be there for you first. And then she'll go, I don't know how to do that. I go, you can watch me. This is what I do. And then I, I model the behavior that is this. And then, you know, even with, when it comes to cops, Roxanne, like my, my daughter's always like, but mom, if we do that, won't we get pulled over and get a ticket? And I said, that ticket's worth it. You know, like certain tickets are worth getting in trouble. I've, I teach my kids. I'm not that parent that's like, don't do that. I'm going to get in trouble. Trouble for what? What does trouble even mean? There's always compassion in this household. We don't do timeouts. We do time ins. If you want to know more about those, I could break that down too. But I, I, I don't believe that you can pause on life and just like shut them out. I, I think that they need love. They need compassion. And, and anyone who's ever made a mistake was not, was not healed by silence and you know neglect. It doesn't work. It's so thick. This is such good shit, man. It's so supportive. I know to so many, not just mothers, but women in general, there's so many powerful pieces that you're sharing here. You know, when I'm listening to you talk about, um, the things that you need to uphold for yourself, you know, the words that come to my mind are personal standards. You have to have, you know, whatever your standards are, they are, but you want to live to them. You want to make sure that you're honoring your standards. And in that, I think there's boundaries, right? Yeah. And I love that you demonstrate to your girls, you know, it, it, like that it's leading by example. Nothing is more impactful. Nothing will resonate more than the person who's actually walking their talk, right? I posted this yesterday about self-confidence. If you're not being true to who you are, confidence in a glass house, right? If yeah. you're not walking your talk, you just say this and this and that, and you don't back that shit up consistently, you're never going to, you don't have integrity and self-respect that fortifies this self-confidence, right? Yeah. It's so important. Well, and it's, and it's hard because then, then what moms do is they make a mistake and they want to hide the mistake because when you make a mistake and your kids see you're like, whoa, whoa. Whereas I go, I go, oh my gosh, Valen, did you see what I just did? I just messed up. And she goes, and she waits because how I handle my own mistakes is also a platform of grace 
that then shows her, I accept you, I accept your mistakes. And the more I make mistakes, the more she can make mistakes, the more we make mistakes, the more acceptance and self-love and compassion there is in this home. And so I announce all mistakes in this house. I announce when I, when I'm crying, she comes in, she goes, you're crying. And I go, I am. And she goes, why? I want to make you feel better. I go, but if you make me feel better, then I won't, I won't be able to journey through these feelings, which are really important for me to feel. So I'm teaching her to feel the feelings, feel them through, let them be healing. I said, my feelings are healing. And she goes, oh, so again, I'm modeling the behavior. I don't, I don't hide from my kids. I, although sometimes I, I need time to myself and I'm like, you're like, me alone. There, like <laughs> locked. Um, I do do that, but I, I, I announced to them that I said, I need to go have some time to myself. And they do ask why, why are you going by yourself? I said, because I think these are some deeper emotions than, than I, you know, can handle. And I think, you know, what's really an, a cool thing that I learned rocks, um, from, I can't even rec- I think it's from my friend, Emily. She, especially in this time of COVID, we are so used to feeling ups and then downs and then ups and then downs. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned during this time, but also I'm teaching my children is, you know what? It's also okay to just be neutral. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be like, always happy. Like people have always been like, you're always so happy. I'm like that. Yeah, Cause when you see me, I'm on, I'm on my high. And when I'm not on my high, I'm recharging. I'm taking my time and actually healing. I'm enclosing myself with my books and with my journals and in my room and with my music and in my bathtubs and I'm doing my healing work. I don't take that shit outside. Are you crazy? <laughs> I disappear. I go and I do my inner deep work. And when I do the work, I can come back at 5,000%. But you know what? What I've been realizing in, in quarantine is that Sometimes I can't do, I don't have that capacity to go back and forth. I'm just here. Yeah. And that's been a beautiful gift to show my kids that neutral is okay. Cause sometimes they think neutral is sad or mad because you're not perfectly on like the parent who always wants to entertain the kids. I got like a mariachi band around all the time, <laughs> you know, and you're like, chill mom. She just wants to play with you. But when you can just re- recognize like, no, we can just be chill and neutral. Neutral is actually okay. And neutral is not bad. That was something, again, that wasn't taught to me when I was growing up. So I, I did think neutral was bad. And it's not. It's amazing. I, I, you know, I've really removed good and bad. Yes. <laughs> from my vocabulary, from my thought process. Um, to be honest, even positive and negative in a lot of cases. Because yeah. it's like, it's this expectation that is, is so categorized to make you feel like this is, yeah, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm not going to be able to pull the right words right now. Um, I'll just keep it simple. I just don't, I don't feel it's that black or white. I don't feel this bind. And it, it actually is perfect to what you're saying right now. Like this neutral space, we can call that the gray area. That yeah. is, that's a beautiful fucking area too, right? Yeah. It's this, you know, place where you're not doing deep recalibration work, but you're just not also like revving the engine. You're just yeah. maybe like observing and you're just, you know, like you said, neutral. That's the greatest, you know, way to put it. Yeah. And I love, I love that you, you know, cause I wanted to ask you, what are some gains that you've, um, brought in or that you've received from quarantine, from all the COVID, the pandemic that we're living in? Yeah. That's I a good one. That's a really great question. Um, 
I think there's a certain resistance to uncertainty that we all have. I know I have some really interesting approaches to like, okay, these things can be completely uncertain. And I'm okay with it, but these must never be uncertain, you know? And there's, I think we all have those kind of categories in our life. Like this must remain stable. This is okay if it shifts. And for the majority of my life, I've been really good at dealing with a lot of uncertainty. I really, it's been something that since I was a little girl, I moved 12 times before I was 12 years old. My parents divorced. I, you know, never knew where I would be on different weekends, different times. So you learn to flex and flow, which I know you could relate to just like having like to flex with, the, with whatever the world throws at you, you know? And so uncertainty was something that I've always been like really well versed at, but with a stable ground over here. But when that starts to get taken from you, um, what I've what I've resourced is that all things external are uncertain. All things external are, in fact, give or takeable. And so then I said, okay, well, shoot. If the government can pull away where I resource my organic and healthy food at any given time, can also minimize or not minimize control the amount of food that I get. If I want six things of kale, I can only get two. A, this is problematic for my, you know, <laughs> my ability to live the life I want. Yeah. Um, but, but B, this is, I'm a co-creator of this structure in my life. So I need to be more hands-on in how I get and, and acquire and create my food source. Mm. I want to grow my own food. I am going to find a way to find a property or a, a situation or, you know, a balcony to, <laughs> you know, grow the, the important substance of my food intake. Yeah. Because I can no longer trust that I can guarantee it from anywhere. So how, again, my, my shift was how can I pivot, mm -hmm. control things? How, what can I control and what I can't? And second was, was then now I got to go ex internal. I was so heavily resourced, Roxanne. I, I would see friends regularly. I, everything that they closed down was everything I did on a regular basis. I went shopping. I went out to eat. And I played with, and I played with friends. I like, this is like, COVID was like my worst nightmare, okay? And so here I am. I'm like, I can't go do yoga in group settings. You know, Tracy's class got canceled. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. So I, I really had to go, oh my God, everything must happen internal. Yeah. And that means... I have to find safety, security, peace, understanding, and, and love from inside. And while I haven't mastered it, I'm at least opening that door more regularly. And I think that's the hard part for people is they want to do it and they want to feel the full, like, it's like you want the diploma the minute you walk into college, right? Just give me the diploma now. You know, I'll study, you know, I want to do this thing, but that's not how it works. You, it, it's an endless well that you, if you're greedy and you take the whole well of love, you're overwhelmed anyways. So you go in, you know where it is, and you recognize where the path is, and the path is quicker there each time. And I think only only something like quarantine and COVID and being stuck with you know the the demons that exist in each of us, and that was the first illusion is that people think that demons don't exist in the brightest of stars, but the demons are those bright stars, you know, like they are, they are that the shadows that which exist. When you walk, you have a shadow. When you exist, a shadow exists. For there to be light, there must be a shadow. And once you recognize that that shadow just wants a fucking hug, <laughs> you've honestly mastered the world right there. Like, and that's all I needed to do was turn around and hug my dark shadows and go, 
oh my gosh, you're, you're with me. I'm with you. We're not doing this separate. I'm not getting rid of you. I'm not trying to cut off my demons. That's like Peter Pan when he cuts, they, they cut off the, that's when they die. <laughs> you know, don't let us die. Keep your shadow because your shadow is what built you. It's what taught you. You needed those dark moments to be the, the Wonder Woman that each of us are today. Mm-hmm. They were imperative in your growth and your, the diamond like chiseling of, under pressure. Like that is so necessary. So now I'm just like, which demon am I hanging out with today? <laughs> which, I made you some tea. Pull it up. Let's chat. I'm like, that's, oh, it's so perfect. I love that Vic so much. There's so many pieces again, right there. You just dropped on us, but yeah, I always say like, there's no handouts to badassery. You got, you got to dig. You got to, this is where seek the fight comes from for me. It's the fight is the challenge that is standing guard at your growth, at your inner growth, at your life growth. But you, you, you can't be afraid to be put on your knees. You can't be afraid to, to feel the discomfort, to feel the pain. You need to fucking move towards that shit, embrace it, yeah. learn from the situation, get the fuck back up, throw your own punch and keep going, right? There's value there. Um, you know, I, I can't think of one hero in a movie that wasn't fighting and moving through challenge, whether it was internal and external or even just external, whatever. Like, I don't know that story yeah. of, oh my God, there's that, that's a badass hero. No, every hero we know or we've seen in a movie has had to fight battles. And so when you say like, you know, it's embracing these kind of dark, the shadows, the hard, and then also the other piece that I love so much, and this is something I talk about all the time in the podcast, man. Anything outside is a variable that can change. Like anybody, even if you want to look at it from, oh, I have the most incredible partnership. I have- They can die. I've literally used that example. It's not the person left and the person was at, nope. The person, unfortunately, tragic. And if you instilled all of your worth, all of your, you know, your value- if it was instilled based on what this person made you feel and what you're fucked because you've now, now you don't even know how to love yourself. You don't even know your value. I mean, that's just one example, but you know, I mean, if we think about, and, and to actually to go back to the food piece, the kale, I can literally see kale growing in your balcony. I'm going to be walking there next week. (laughs) But you know, when you think about, you know, if you, um, yeah, I have businesses. I mean, you guys know this. It's like, oh, doors have to shut. Okay. Well, you know, that that's gnarly, right? A lot of yeah. people don't, you know, it's like that's that's their business. That's all they they know. It's all they're used to. Um, some people, I know th- this is the case with you guys, you know, have been able to pivot and to, you know, it, there's actually a lot of great things that have come from this for you guys too. Like just you know, taking everything online and, and now, and, and the outreach, how much more, uh, you know, Gracie university and women empowerment, all of, you know, that you're able to reach through this. I mean, really it's like to put a bow on that piece. It's like, man, there's always a gain that could be made in adversity in challenge. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, it's like, where are you looking? Right. And 
are you open to receiving that? And then, you know, applying that to your life, right? Yeah. I think we're really lucky specifically at Greeks University because we have what I believe to be a very collaborative and community creative community of, of thought process, but also Hidon, Henner, and Eve, just in general, the four of us together, when we sit down, we welcome all crazy thoughts. We welcome all ways to pivot and we discuss them and we outsource and we reach out and we talk to people and we're we're just, again, curious kids, inquisitive kids willing to come back and then plan and try and try and try. We were, A, Roxanne, really lucky that we started, and when I say we, I mean Hidon and Henner, started 10 years ago building an online platform of video jujitsu. And at the time, people bashed it beyond belief. Like no one understood that A, you could learn anything online, B, that it could be a physical sport that you learn, and C, that it could be mastered as a craft from that space. And we, you know, just persevered through. People will always have something to say. And this is one of my favorite stories to tell because if you hear where we were, Mm-hmm. Even Eve and I got, so we get emotional when people talk about Hedon and Henner because those are our life forces. Those are our loves. And when they talk badly about the fact that they were doing what we thought to be such a giving service, like they're spending hours of their day to offer up tons of knowledge to people to access from anywhere in the world. And for it to have had such a negative like start in a, a huge subsection of the jujitsu community, not all of it, but a, a very big one. And then here we are now 10 years later with a Rolodex of years of information and now a comfort in front of the camera to hold classes of upwards of 130 plus people where they are truly engaging and watching the squares of every person learning jujitsu and breaking down what now what we've called, if you don't know solo jujitsu, like you don't know jujitsu because doing it by yourself is actually harder. So if you can perfect that, it's the, it's like the PhD in jiu-jitsu, <laughs> you know? So we've really grown to understand the sport into the self-defense, into the, you know, the depths and the complexities of how to teach this and break this down from a human physical level mm-hmm. and give it through a digital device. Like that's what, where these guys are, are just on another level. It's, it's another yeah. level. And Eve has been an instrumental person in really pivoting the front desk staff and all of our brick and mortar into this new world because anyone who has a business that's brick and mortar during quarantine, Roxanne, knows that every um, care in the world of going through, you know, the safety of what that looks like and the government mandates that are coming through on a regular basis and how to properly take care of your employees Eve has spent so much time reading through that that I was just like, girl, what, what are you doing? Why are you spending your time doing this? She goes, because I care, you know? And and for that, I just like embraced her because she, she threw herself at it. She, she really made it through and her and, and Hedon and Hannah pulling through those zooms are, are what's making it through this quarantine, which allowed us to do our first ever instructor certification program via zoom. And again, these are normally things that we meet in person for, have 150 to 180 people in-house mm-hmm. that we were like, how can we How can we do this now? Obviously, when no one can travel, no one can come here, but we still want to certify instructors to be able to teach this program. And so we did it via Zoom, and it, we have no idea how it turned out I, I can't, so well, but 
we just pivoted. We learned Zoom. We mastered Zoom and figured out every capability, read up on all the things. We were doing PowerPoint presentations via Zoom. We did a, a musical skit number. We did great <laughs> breakout rooms. We did chat engagements. We did everything possible to make it as a real engaged thing as possible because everybody that over hundred people that were there with us were also just wanting engagement and, and the knowledge as well. So when you say pivot, like no, you're limited by nothing in this world, but your own capacity. And, and I really, and I've limited myself. Let me be clear. I, I even have limited myself. So know that if you're doing that, forgive yourself and then know there's actually no limit. There's no limit to what I can do. I just have to be resourceful and creative and willing yeah. to try something different. And that's what we kept doing and pivoting and pivoting. And Zoom was a gift. Zoom, I was lucky to have been using Zoom for the last year. Yeah. Just by happenstance. Yeah. Um, with some other businesses. So then when Zoom became the thing to use, yep. I was just like, you guys, guys I, already, I know about this. Here, let's try this. And I just, you know, offered it and, and helped them moderate. And they were like, okay. And Henry's a quick learner. He's like, I got this. I'm like, perfect. <laughs> so once I had, well, man, once you hand it off to that guy, he takes it and, and he puts like five BMWs on it. And you're like, I'm like, how did you just, how did that happen? <laughs> He's brilliant. Yeah. It's just fantastic. He's great. Oh, that's amazing. That's so badass. Oh so man. I'm, I'm really proud of the Gracie team for doing what they did, Roxanne. I think it's, I know, I know that people are struggling with this and I know people want in-person everything. And you know, people have complained like, oh, we were really hoping to do it in person. And I'm like, dude, me too. But we, we honor the government mandates. We honor, you know, the restrictions that people are giving us because they're the law. Um, and we don't want to, we are where we are. Yeah. Like we can't, yeah, Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you find your way around it. You don't just keep pushing up against the rock. And I mean, what is that going to do? You know, and, and in that finding around, oftentimes there's gains to come from that things that you would never have you. Right. I mean, we would never do ICP in full person alone. Now the, the interactions that we got via zoom were so beautiful that we were like, if anything, we're going to do a hybrid. If anything, like we, it was a gift. Yeah. Quarantine I think has been like, even now in Hermosa on a really low level, they yeah. created all this outdoor eating space. You've seen. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, um, we live in California where it's literally sunny 98.9%. Right. <laughs> Why have we not had an outdoor seating? It only took up five parking spots. Yeah. Five people can walk a block further. Right. No, like, it's so true. And now we're outdoor eating. It's so true. Pivot. The podcast went Pivot. video. I wanted the podcast to be video for so long, girl. And before zoom, it was like, okay, I have to have the camera. I have to have the production. And I, you know, cause that was always in person for me doing podcasts. Yeah. And now I'm just like, well, actually, I really love it. I mean, because, you know, I mean, it's nice when you're sitting. There's a different connection when you're in person. But I feel like when you get into Zoom, like when it, when you get really dialed into Zoom, it, yes. it kind of could be, it's not the exact same thing, but I, I certainly don't feel a disconnected from you right now. No. No. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, that's, that's I'm proud of you guys. Um, I mean, I miss training jujitsu. All of us. So much. Yeah. It's like, fuck man. I, I miss it so much. And I'm so looking forward to when it's safe to do it again, you know, when yeah. we can do it. but in the meantime, um, it's just, you know, it's like, you keep it moving. Yes. And that's and what that's, you guys are doing so well. It's amazing. That's what we've just been trying to do with everything in jujitsu. And, and yeah. I don't, I don't know that, you know, we ever want to stop. 
that. We're just saying, how can we improve? How can we improve? And that's the growth mindset that I think all of us have, whether that was from seeds of trauma of wanting to be of perfectionism or of seeds of of beauty and growth. One will may never know. Yeah. The idea is like, how can we improve? How can we be better? How can we make it better next time? Um, And part of that is don't fix what's, what's not broken. Right. Expand towards places that, you know, we need to expand to. Don't keep reinventing a wheel, you know? I love it. Yes. Okay, mama, listen, I got, um, there's a couple things I like to do with all of my guests before I get you out of here. Um, but before I even go there, do you have any final thoughts? Is there something that you wish people would ask you more of that you don't get asked? Is there anything in that territory? We've talked about a lot of things. You're incredible. We will certainly do more podcasts together, but if there's anything at the top of your heart, I'm here for it. (laughs) I I would say, I was wondering, the thing that I feel people don't ask each other enough is how do you feel inside? People ask so much like, Hey, how's your day going? It's very, all this surface level stuff is what I call it. And when I deep connect with people and there's not many people I don't deep connect with, I only go deep. That's all I really know. Yes. Um, I, I really just implore that people find a way to really ask someone, how are you feeling? Like, what are you feeling right now? And really be ready and open for anything to come out because that is right now, especially something that people aren't getting enough lo- enough of. And so when people talk to me, they're like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, what? It's I like, I'm it. like, who are you? Hi, welcome to the world. Okay. I, I love that. I remember one time I went over to Even Henner's and Henner was like, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. And he's like, no, but how are you? Yeah. And it was like that second opt-in that I so, cause I feel like it's the most fucking underrated question, especially when you're strong. I'm strong. I'm always, I'm the girl, I'm the friend who's like, got this, got this, right? Not from an ego place, but it's just, it's just how I move through my life, right? Independent. Yeah. But man, I love when I get asked, like, how are you? No, but really, like, are you good? <laughs> but but that's, Or not even good, but like, how do you feel? I love how you frame it. How do you feel? How do you feel? And, and that's what's interesting that you say that because the strongest women need the, the greatest inquisitions because they're least likely to show vulnerability when they don't need to. Mm. And that is when they need people to lean in the most. Like I am and that, and even my partner, you know, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, um, everything's good. You good. You good. We just stay right here. And I'm like, I'm going to need you to dig deeper. Like there is just that depth that I need from him that would, would really satiate me more when people ask the depth question, you know, I love it. You know what? And it makes me think, you know, sometimes it's like just quick texting, it's just a way that you, but I'm so conscious of, of, of this that I don't like to write this out this way, but yeah. it does come out. It's like, are you good? First of all, I don't like that because it's like, I'm pushing you to have to be good if you're not yeah. in a way. Right. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. It's like, it's just this deep thinking shit that you're into and that I'm into. I mean, listen, I, I still write it sometimes because sure. You know, it's just, um, yeah, I don't know, but just, I love that you, you bring this up because it's just planting in the listener's minds. It's just taking that extra step, you know, to really ask like, Mm -hmm. how are you feeling? And not put a good or bad on it or fucking high or low, but it's like, and it really shows genuine concern, like care. Correct. Correct. And that is really, it's, it's the most important thing that if, if anyone could ask anyone, not just me, but anyone in your life, that that's what I would offer. 
Okay. Amazing. Okay. So we've got, <laughs> I've got a magic wand question that I ask okay. all my people. Oh my. The magic wand. So Victoria has a magic wand and she could instill one habit that will have the largest positive ripple effect in an individual's life to the masses. What would that be? Hmm. A magic wand habit. I think if I could pick one, uh, I'm torn between two. Hold on. (laughs) You can go two if you want. Okay. Well, then the first one is, is a real quick and easy for me, but I was trying to go beyond that is gratitude. It's the gratitude wand. If I could, if I could share it with everybody, something happens to you, where's the gratitude in it? COVID happened. Okay, well, I'm grateful this happened because of this. I'm grateful this happened because of that. You know, something, anything bad, good, ugly, gratitude wand. Um, that's what I would give in one person's hand. And then in the other, um, it would be the vulnerability wand. The ability to just be your truest, most vulnerable self to anyone you meet. Because the minute you open that up, more likely than not, you will get care, love, and compassion back. But we fear that habit of vulnerability because we fear that we'll get hurt because we've been hurt a couple times, like, like touching the fire, right? People don't play with fire because they've been burned a couple times, but how many more times in your life have you not been burned by fire, but been around fire every morning when you cook breakfast right. and you turn on that stove. So just leaning into that vulnerability and then exercising gratitude. Those would be my two. It's awesome. I mean, you got two hands, so you may as well have two. <laughs> Do it. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So the final uh, piece to this epic talk that I'm so proud of um, is I do these things. I do rapid fire words. So I'm going to rapid fire words at you. You do not need to be rapid in your response, but whatever, whatever comes top of mind and top of heart, when you take these words in, uh, that's what I want you to share. Okay. Ready? First one is love. (laughs) All. I love it. All is in love is everything. Everything. Okay. That's what I thought. I just wanted to really perfect, beautiful. Um, Fear. Tiny. (laughs) Fear can be tiny. You can make a really small and just let her sit there. And I don't know. I love it. Yeah. Challenge. Lean in. Is it, was that what it was not a word? Is so I supposed to have one? No, you, okay. you can, you can expand. Oh, got it. Oh yeah. You don't I thought, have, I have one, one word. For, one for one. I know. Yeah. No. One no. is a challenge, lean in, lean into the challenge, sit with it, accept it. More, more challenges. I love it. Curiosity. Mm, a daily habit, a daily expansion. Like don't kill that curiosity at all costs. Yeah. Seriously. It's like one of my favorite words, truly. Yeah. Resilience. Um, That's probably like my thing that I've been doing through all of COVID is building resilience, building my, you know, emotional resilience, mental resilience. So I think that it is one of the strongest things that we, not just as women, but people can build resilience. I love it. Passion. I just think of human interaction and intimacy. 
sex and I think sex you sex. your whole everything is just passion 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 yeah I love it okay final word is excellence <laughs> I think of the commitment to giving your best and your all and doing things to a capacity beyond which you even think possible and you lead with such grace and humility, but with such commitment and strength to even impress yourself. I love it. You're, you're, yeah, that's what I got for you. Girl, I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much for carving out time to be here, not just with me, but with all of us, you know, we barely even scratch the surface. Um, No. And it's so real. Like, listen, you're my fucking girl. Like, listen, you're my girl. Like you sit right here. You remember oh, Spain? Like <laughs> you're my girl. Um, and so I know, you know, of course I'm going to bring out things that are amazing about you, but it's, it's very true. I'm being very genuine. And when I say, I'm saying this to the listeners, like you guys, this is an incredible human being. You are an absolute contributor to the world, you know, the way that you're moving through life, girl, and the the way that you're leading by example. So I just want to honor you for that. Um, I feel I'm honored to be your girl. I love you so much. And I would love for you. I would love for you to, uh, everything will be in the show notes, but just to direct people. I mean, you're a mommy coach. There's so many ways I want people to stay connected to you. So if you could just drop a few of those Yeah. My personal website is VicGracie.com. So is my Instagram, V-I-C-G-R-A-C-I-E. On Instagram, it's Vic P. Gracie on Twitter. And um, my website for my kids' books is MagicalBelt.com. And you can find us on Women Empowered GJJ for Instagram for our Women Empowered Self-Defense Program. And all the good ways that you, everything can pretty much go through VicGracie.com. I'll direct everything out from there. Perfect. But I'm around. Perfect. And I do want to add that you guys now have um, a Wednesday uh, live yes. live IG that goes down. And so that the, the, I'm going to put this in the link too, in the show notes, um, but to subscribe to your YouTube channel, you and Eve yes. do it every Wednesday and it's so amazing and you're supporting so many yes. women. So yeah. I just, yeah, I'm going to mention that. So uh, we we created a a YouTube channel based off our self-defense program. That's both healing and empowering for women. We talk about all the things that we are all challenging and ways that we overcome them. And we invite people to obviously give us their things that they've struggled through or basically succeeded with. And so we are just exploring all of this on every Wednesday at noon on our YouTube page. Please subscribe and join us. Yeah. And I love, I love, I just want to add, I love that. It's just this like every week it's just, it's like you're moving through life with, you're meeting everyone where they are. So it's not this like, Oh, this classroom and the scripted, it's like, you're, you know, like, yeah. And I think that that's so valuable, you know, because every, I mean, listen, hour by hour shit is just changing. And so, you know, it's a beautiful service, like it's an offering to these women to just show up, meet them where they are, support them emotionally. I mean, there's always an element of like uh, teaching them some skills. Um, yeah. You know, so, so yeah, I just want to add that too. Cause I think it's, I think it's badass, man. Yeah. Many times our, our topic is brought up literally the night before we're like, let's just do this because that's what's happening in real life. Anxiety. Let's go. So we, <laughs> we had a whole it. thing on how to manage anxiety. Cause we were, everyone was having anxiety. That's, so that's we did it. Amazing. All yeah. right, mama. I love you. You, you guys tune into Vic. See you on the next one. Mwah. 
Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate Recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next.